Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's 1233 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. 630 Chad, Oilers Now. Uh, we'll tell you that, again, you can text us at any time on our Ashley Fine Floors text line. 780-496-0063, Ashley Fine Floors, ready for your kids' pregame warm-up. Uh, we'll have John Shannon, our NHL insider, coming down the pipe in roughly 15 to 18 seconds. I believe we've just about got him hooked up. Kevin Weeks today from the NHL Network. A number of years ago, used to uh, work the Hockey Night in Canada broadcast, obviously an African-Canadian athlete. Um and uh, he'll provide a, a little bit different uh, perspective uh, as I, only he could uh, in this situation that's currently going on. And then uh, we'll we'll get her off the rails with Reed Wilkins at 135 today. Do we have John Shannon, Brendan Escott? We sure do. John, how are you doing? Doing fine. How are you, Bob? Good. How much of your weekend was, I, I was going to say, you know, in the lexicon of sports jargon, in uh, in in sports talk radio, fifteen years ago, the water cooler topic would be pretty obvious, except nobody's going to the office anymore for uh, water coolers. But the situation is what it is. Uh, how much of what occurred with the U.S. Uh, throughout the multiple protests in in cities, and then obviously, you know, some of the protests got a little bit more violent as evening went wore on. Uh, how much of that did you end up watching? Oh, I think it was. Uh, it was on most of the day, uh, most days, Bob, from uh, Thursday night on. I think that, uh, you know, it's something that uh, we have to be very respectful of. And uh, I, I truly admire peaceful pro- protest uh, and uh, know that uh, people of our ilk have to be better at uh, at extending the olive branch. Yeah. Uh, look, you have a lot of experience with TV, and we're going to hit you on some Oilers stuff a little bit later on, sort of some best-of stuff given the anniversaries of a couple of the championships. Um, some people have, you know, some people would say, why do they constantly show this nonstop? And others would say they absolutely have to show this non-stop it is uh you know some would say that uh you know cnn's gone from non-stop coronavirus talk to now non-stop uh demonstrations and those sort of things but this is i, I mean you're a guy that's had to make decisions at times granted in the toy department of life in sport mm-hmm. but this is part of doing television isn't it it is 
It is. The frustration uh, as a viewer is that um, the virus has not gone away. Right. Uh, it's not going away. It's not going to w- go away soon. Uh, but we uh, we tend to be in the broadcast industry at times single-minded when it comes to coverage. Um, now, you know, what, what's gone on in, gosh, more than 140 cities on this continent uh, is obviously something that needs to be covered. We need to be concerned about it. We need to be aware of it. We need to be tolerant of it. Um, and the key thing for me in all of this uh, as a broadcaster is to ensure uh, that the networks and the media re- report the story and don't become the story. Uh, and that is a fine line as well. So uh, uh, as a, uh, you know, those of us that are old enough that have uh, seen other, uh, albeit not live, but seen other uh, uh, protests and other uh, times where we needed to be em- empathetic and understanding in the 60s and in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, um, that uh, the, the, the magic of live television being able to almost show anything at any time from anywhere, it becomes a real challenge for uh, for networks to be able to judge when is too much and when is enough. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a tricky situation to uh, to say the least. Um, you know, John, it's funny. I had a conversation with somebody today about some hard labor battles that have taken place, and I said sure. you would remember you remember Peter Pocklington owning the Edmonton Oilers in the mid nineteen eighties, and I think Gainers was eighty six. I thought it was Burns. Okay. Uh, anyway. anyway, anyway, bottom line here, it was. It was not pretty, and it was a time in which Alberta's economy had taken a substantial dip, um, in, in, in large part because oil prices had gone down. And I just remember the coverage at that time. And there wasn't, I, I don't know how much live TV uh, there was, but there was certainly, you know, they, they certainly covered the gist of the confrontations. And at times it was fairly nasty when they brought in uh, replacement workers. and. Uh-huh. That kind of, you know what, there, there is an onus on the news, or, news organizations to cover that kind of stuff at that time. Oh, absolutely. Right? And there, there, there is obligation to, to be covering exactly what's gone on um, since, since the, uh, the, 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 the murder in Minneapolis uh, seven days ago. There's no question about it, uh, yeah. that it has to be covered and the reaction has to be covered. Um, you know, there are there are so many of us that we may not like it, but we better face up to it, Bob. Yeah. We better realize that that you know that we need to be better. You know, I know you have Kevin on later, and Kevin and I are great friends, and and we we've at times talked about race mm-hmm. and uh, and the issues that people like Kevin face that you and I will never face, and we will never understand, and we have to be more tolerant. And we have to be more compassionate, and we have to learn as much as anybody. Sure. Totally agree. We're joined right now by John Shannon, our NHL insider. Let me ask you this. Uh, I'm thinking back, like, when you are when you were an executive producer, you were producing the uh, – one, one of the worst situations that would happen is a, a severe injury in hockey. And I remember when – I think Larry Isaac was doing the game, but the Oilers were playing Dallas in 97, and yeah. Brian Marchment, uh, the gate opened at the Dallas right. bench. Yeah, during that playoff series, yeah. And Brian Marchment went in sideways, and he was out. 
uh, right in front of the Dallas bench, and they had a tight shot, and I know Larry said, okay, back off that shot. we got to go to a different shot because it was scary because you could see that the athlete was in trouble. And I know that one of the doctors uh, afterwards told me uh, that was with the Stars organization said, you know, we can't get on the field quick enough when a similar type of injury would happen mm-hmm. in football, and that's how kids pass away sometimes playing high school football in the States uh, because of the, the nature of the violent collisions. But when you're when you're producing a game like that, and you've produced a lot of them, how tricky is that to manage during the course of the game where you've got to cover an injury, but a guy could be in a little bit of trouble? It's hard. It really is. It's, it's difficult to manage. Because you, 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 again, you, you draw the line between being in that sandbox, as you and I talk about constantly, about right. being in sports. But as soon as you talk about uh, injury, now you're into news. And now you have, you have two obligations. You have the obligation to tell the story of what's gone on. And in my opinion, you have the obligation to be compassionate for the athlete and for his family. Uh, and those are things that uh, I think a lot of people lose. Um, and, but at the same, you know, I mean, for instance, I mean, there used to be rules uh, at, at, around, at least when I was around, where that if there was a major ca- catastrophic injury like that, uh, we could not go to commercial. We would not leave until we had acknowledgement that the athlete was all right, was on a stretcher, was on his way off the ice, gave the thumbs up, and then we would go. I don't care if it delayed the game another two minutes. We needed to be able to be there because at that point, in my opinion, for the athlete, I'm thinking about three people or maybe more. I'm thinking of his mother. I'm thinking of his father. I'm thinking of his wife. And I'm thinking of his children. And at that point, you have to be compassionate and understanding. Yeah, absolutely. We're joined right now by John Shannon, our NHL insider. Uh, I'm sure you had people tweet at you and ask you this weekend. Do you think that what's happened down in the States over the last four or five days, does that I mean, it, it certainly puts sport on the back burner. Does it put the potential, I mean, who knows how long this goes for. Um, and and that's maybe a discussion for an entirely different type of show. But could it potentially influence things on the pod front, do you think, John? Uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, it is. You know, I mean, both issues are so serious yeah. um, uh, in, on different levels at, uh, for different issues. Um, you know, the, 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 the racial tones are so emotional, uh, whereas the COVID is so analytical. Um, you know, I, I, I think we have to guard ourselves, Bobby. I, I honestly think that at, at t- this is times where we, tr- we in our business truly have to take a step back yeah. and respect what's gone on and respect what's going on. Um, uh, and I, I mean, I don't think I, and this is, this is just me, I, I made a conscious effort over the last two or three days not to say anything on social media. Right. Because I don't think I could add and I don't think I could help. I think I can, I can, do, I can do my best with my family and do my best with my friends uh, and support them. Uh, but I, uh, me, me being and trying to grandstand and say something on social media is not, I don't believe, the way to go. 
on this specific topic yeah on on, on specific topics yeah yeah well it's an interesting time right i mean we're, we're continuing to watch the the COVID situation you know what the numbers are like here uh and you know we're a ways away from the nhl uh making a decision as well John, it was the anniversaries of the 1985 Stanley Cup Championship and the 1987 Stanley Cup Championship. The Oilers won, uh, as you know, in, against Philadelphia. You, you worked the event. In the 85 team was selected the greatest team in NHL history by the yep. fans. I personally believe that the 87 team was actually better. So did you I. had an opportunity. You had an opportunity. We've had lots of discussion, but but let's get into a little bit of that right now. Because you had all those guys up there in the stage, and you were around for that day. We we flew back from San Jose that morning, so you were a part of it for a couple of days here in town. What's your perspective? I mean, that's right in the height when you were the producer working those games uh, yeah. between the '85 and '87 Cups. Well, uh, first of all, there's so many guys that played on both teams that they all. It, 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 there are times I, I get confused, and they all blend together after a while. Um, but but suffice to say, I, I think that uh, the '87 team uh, that had, uh, in my opinion, had more to prove after the loss in '86, uh, and you saw the growth in young players like Steve Smith, uh, who, who made a difference. I thought uh, I thought Grant was a much better goaltender two years later, uh, and uh, I, I I liked I liked the maturity of the 87 team a lot more than the 85 team. I, I mean, and, you know, I, I, I actually had this discussion with uh, with Kevin uh, uh, a couple of times, Kevin Lowe, and, I, yep. you know, I think they learned a ton from 86, and that made them better in 87. And that, to me, just says that that team grew and became a much more complete team than we saw in 85. Well, this is going to make for crappy radio then, because I think the 87 team was better too. I mean, the additions obviously of Nilsson up front, Roots Lennon on defense. Uh, let's not forget Ron Hextall uh, before the show goes to the dogs here. Ron Hextall was, uh, the funny thing is, Edmonton built up leads in the three games that they lost. They had at least a two-goal lead in all three games. Yep. But Hextall, it was like what Grant Fuhrer always used to do. He didn't give the one that killed the Flyers. And, and no, and said, let's face they it, they had a three, ton a of chances. They had a ton of chances in every yeah, game. Yeah, three to one, Bob. I thought the series was over. You yeah. know, and then the Flyers, with their youth, in addition to Hextall, but their youth uh, was pretty impressive to uh, to fight back and uh, win uh, win Game Five at uh, at Northlands, and then win Game Six back at the Spectrum. Yeah, and, and again, the Oilers had so many chances to add to the lead in Game uh, 3 in Philly, in Game 5 at Edmonton, in Game 6 in Philly, and they just couldn't do it. Well, let's is... remember also, this is the first time in 16 years that that uh, the NHL had a Game 7 Stanley Cup final. Uh, and I think that they, we were all a little shocked about that, and yet at the same time, I think we finally, we loved it, in that uh, the hockey was so good and competitive and vicious uh, that uh, that that game that that whole series. I mean, if we had vote, voted to have it go nine games, I think we would have had a probably better series than than we did in seven. Uh, you and, and I'm having some fun with you here. You did not produce that game in '71, did you? <laughs> you know, you know, Bob. Sometimes I know the callers think you you can be a bit of a smartass, and I try to defend you. But now is not one of those times. Oh wow! That's, that's <laughs> like uh, was it was it Reagan's uh, great line? Was it about uh, Mondale and Ed Mondale yeah, laughing? Yeah. I will not let age be a factor in this campaign. 
Yes, and not the uh, the. I will not let the inexperience of my opponent be a be a factor in this. I love that. Yeah, he was great. a he was a funny guy at times. That record. Oh, he, he had good speech. He had good speech writers. That's for sure. Oh, no question about the very different time. Twelve forty eight in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer with you along with our NHL insider John Shannon. John Paul Coffey. It's his birthday today. Um, I think he's the second most dynamic defenseman in NHL history. Obviously, Bobby Orr is the guy. Agree or disagree with that sentiment? Well, I'll tell you what. Post-expansion, I agree. Because, uh, I, and, and it's not fair for you or me, but, uh, in, you know, the, the times that I've talked to, to people much older than us, uh, most who have passed by now, uh, when they talked about how Eddie Shore controlled the game in a much more vicious style, uh, and Doug Harvey. Uh, I mean, I would uh, if, if we had uh, if we had our old pal Scotty Bowman on the phone here, and we put that we would we put that to, uh, topic to or coffee, and then Harvey, he would he would probably disagree and say Harvey's ahead of uh, said ahead of coffee. Um, you know, the thing the, the magic about Paul was I don't uh, I don't think anybody skated as well as Paul. I think Bo- I think Paul skated better than Bobby. I really yeah. do. Uh, I think there was a there was a level of speed. I think or was smooth, but Coffee had that burst that that no one else had. No one else had. And um, I, I I think that uh, the two of them certainly. If you you gave me or and Coffee on the blue line on any all time all star team, I wouldn't argue. But I do think that there'll be older people that will tell you that Doug Harvey's in that lexicon too. I remember Bobby Orr, for as great as he was in that 7-5 game that Montreal came back and won in uh, 1971, he was like, dash, he just had one of those tough games. It just happened once in a while because he was an unbelievable player. We also forget at that point uh, Bobby was 22 or 23 years old. Right. We think he was. We think he was a mature veteran by then. Remember, he played in. He played in uh, the last uh, year of the original six as a, as an eighteen year old. Right. So. Uh, and he was. And he was the thing that that was magical about Bobby, as a player and as a person. He was so mature beyond his years. He was so mature on and off the ice. He was remarkable. Yeah, he would have been 23 that year in 71 when the Canadians upset the uh, Bruins after the Bruins set an NHL record in goals. Phil Esposito had 76. Uh, the play that I remember with Paul Coff, you'll remember it, 85 against Philly. Oilers are lighting him up, and Wayne Gretzky comes down the right side, cuts to his left at the blue line, sort of drags the entire the Philadelphia defense over, and then yeah. slides a behind-the-back uh, pass to Coffey, who had activated on the rush, and he just walked in. I'm like, oh, man, this is Well, I don't, you know, we, we, always, we always think about, you know, how Yari Curry used to read off of Wayne so right. well. I think Paul read as well. I, I think Paul was in that same realm of being able to read off of what Wayne was doing. No question about it. Uh, you taking the dog for a walk here later, John? No, or what's going no, today, on? Oh, they've already had one today, and they'll probably get another one. They're 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 just ticked. They wanted the '85 team to win. Oh. <laughs> Thanks you know, for your time. They, you know, they're pretty smart dogs. They like they they like the '85 team. Yeah, I'm 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 partially '87 team. Anakin's sitting here right now, and he's he's giving me the big nod. He already got a nice 40 minute walk in as well. So it's not helping me lose weight though, John. I don't know what it is. Maybe well, yeah, the- as I tell my friends, I, the, the four walks a day are fine, but the four meals a day are getting in the way. You nail it, bro. Thanks a lot, John. <laughs> Have a great day. See yep. Yeah, thanks a lot. Stay safe, indeed. That's John Shannon, our NHL insider. It's 12:52 at Edmonton. Uh, we'll take a quick timeout. You're listening to Oilers now. 
this is Mike Smith from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. Slot Mike, it's 12.55 in uh, Edmonton. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. Gary is Texas show to say, Bob, heard you on Roy Green yesterday. You're a national celebrity now. You're a true Albertan, Bob, from Gary. Gary, they they were stuck uh, yesterday. They couldn't get a better guest on, so uh, they went way down on the Rolodex, and they found yours truly. Uh, that's what ended up happening. And, yes, I am going to, uh, you know, support uh, Alberta initiatives. Absolutely. Okay, you can text us at any time at 780-496-0063. Glenn, the bartender, says, uh, Bob, it was definitely Gainers. Yeah, the, the Gainers strike in 86 was... Uh, with uh, Mr. Pocklington owning the Oilers at the time. And that, people forget this. I mean, Peter Pocklington in the early 1980s uh, was quite popular. I mean, he ran for PC leadership. I think he got at least two rounds in at that time. There were obviously did not. You know what's amazing, Brendan? I'll, I'll tell you a little story here. Uh, Peter ended up at an event. Geez, it would have been about 10 years ago now. And uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to be as part of the Oilers traveling party uh at this event in Palm Desert, and uh, Peter showed up, and I had, uh, there were several members of the Edmonton Investors Groups there that are very well healed and have managed their their money uh, very well over their years, and they were really looking forward to seeing Peter, and uh, the response that fans had for Peter Pocklington when we did the uh, reunion for the 84 team, that uh, was uh, spectacular as well. Uh, you know what? Sometimes you got to forgive a bit, and Peter wasn't perfect, and he made some very difficult decisions and broke apart what could have been a team that potentially could have won seven or eight Stanley Cups. Of that, there's no uh, doubt, but he ran into significant financial challenges. And even as a guy roughly your age, Brendan, when that was all going down, I was 25 and 91. And that, you know, watching... You know, Gretzky get traded in August of 88 after Coffey got moved. Uh, the owners got good return for Paul Coffey. Craig Simpson was a real good player for a bunch of years, helped them win a couple cups. Was a, I mean, in 1990, he was on the owners' best line. Um, the Gretzky return, I mean, they ended up getting Adam Graves, uh, you know, for Jimmy Carson. Adam Graves and Peter Kleeman, Joe Murphy. And Glenn Sather did a great job there. And But when the Oilers lost Mark Messier, and then also didn't match the uh, offer sheet, and it was a low one. It was not a lot of money for Adam Graves, like 500k per year in '91. They got back Troy Millette. Troy Millette played 15 games for the Oilers. Adam Graves scored 280 goals over the next 10 years with the New York Rangers. The Oilers kept Troy Millette. That's what they got awarded in compensation. They got him back. He scored one goal as an order before he got flipped in a deal. And it was at that point I was like, I don't know if Edmonton's ever going to get uh, – and that said, that was in 91. They still – in the fall of 91, they still made it to the 92 conference final. It was a remarkable accomplishment given how much they'd lost already at that time. All right, uh, we're going to head off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell and uh, Kevin Weeks from uh, the NHL Network when we return on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.